Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone to rv1 colon the fantasy football podcast part of fake teams podcast channel it has been a while since we have seen each other since we've all been a part of this glorious show and since you've heard our voice i am of course your humble host the conductor of the devin funches hype train worshiper of Nikhil harry pete rogers and i am joined by some of the guys we have an effortless uh, effortless move in a la, a la chris collinsworth by clark barnes here just slipping in in the frame <laughs> at the last possible second I've been working on that so hard. I'm glad you <laughs> smooth, smooth move. Yeah. Of course, that is DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith-Schuster, proponent for Jon Snow's hair product line and resident old man Clark Barnes. And we are also joined by the biggest 49ers fan you know, somehow managed to wait two weeks to see Game of Thrones without spoiling it, the only man on this green earth who hates Larry Fitzgerald, the ginger woodsman, Nick Botiford. It has been... I don't know if it's, this has just been a particularly crazy summer or or just summers in the past for this podcast have been much easier. But, man, summers are fucking crazy. Uh, so we're coming at you. This is normally we do Wednesday shows. Now we're now it's a Thursday show and we got all kind of hodgepodge of things going on. But whoo, deep breath. How are you guys? How's your summer's been? Good, man. How are you? Oh, man, I am exhausted. It was a jam- it's been a jam packed summer for us, and it's only only going to get more jam packed. And uh, whew, I'm just looking forward to we move officially to Ann Arbor, Michigan, in beginning middle beginning middle of August. Um, and at that point, that point, we finally have nothing else on our on our schedule, and we can take a deep breath and uh, finally get acclimated. But up until then, man, it is just going, 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 going. So, you know, little this, little that. My brother got married. That was earlier. We then went Ooh. to Becca's sister who graduated uh, uh, naturopathy school. And then we've got family gatherings. Got that whole nine yards. Right on, man. Clark, how are you? Good. Uh, I just got back from your neck of the woods. I uh, went to Bo, Washington to uh, visit the girlfriend who's up there. For the summer and got engaged. So it's been a busy Whoa! last summer. What? Yeah. What? Yep. 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 Oh yep. my God. Clark Barnes, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. You You're saying this all casually. So casually. Yeah. For oh my God. Well, screw whatever we're talking about on the podcast. Story time. <laughs> How did this happen? How long no. have you been planning this? Oh my God. Clark, I'm so excited. Why didn't you tell us publicly on the podcast that you were doing this? Yeah. What? <laughs> That would have been really safe, actually. I know uh, Katie does not listen to the pod. <laughs> I've, I've gotten her to download it, which I appreciate it. Uh, but she gets to listen to me talk enough. Um, I don't know. No no real big story. Just, you know, it's been a couple of years and I love her. And, she, you know, so, yeah, and make this official. Oh, my she God. She loves you, wonderful. too. Yeah, she said yes. So oh, that's refreshing. <laughs> That is, you know, always nice to hear those uh, those things. Um, 
Well, I don't want to. I don't mean to quickly move on, Clark. No, that's please do. Oh, I've, well, I've I mean, had to tell this story like a dozen times in the past two days, so I'm ready to like, yep, I did it, and let's go. Hey, let's, okay. Um, well, I'm not. I am still. I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the week. Nick, on the other hand, has a future engagement that he needs to get to, so we got to make sure that we're not a uh, not keeping him away from work functions, since you know he's got to work his way up in the world. Hey, yeah, uh, Nick. By the way, I hope you're okay with taking the responsibility of making the millions in order to like you know turn this podcast into like a TV show. So you're gonna have to buy some sort of TV channel and just broadcast us twenty four seven on it. Okay. Yeah. Um... <laughs> cool. Yeah. Just I just wanted to confirm. Just you know, you you take your time. Don't worry about it. But just just so you know that that's that's what's going to be in your future. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Um. All right. Well. Obviously, as we're in the middle of the summer, nothing really football-esque happens. It's pretty boring. Normally, we do some sort of news, but I don't really want to see what's going on in the NFL. Um, but what we will talk about today is we're going to talk about the most intriguing players in fantasy this year. And this is people who, I, for me personally, I'll say when I was making my list, these are guys who I think could really change the fantasy landscape, depending on how depending on how they perform uh, and kind of what their seasons are looking like. Now, initially, it was just going to be Nick and I, so I was doing the sexy headline of the six most intriguing planet players in fantasy this year. I don't know how many Clark are bringing to the table, uh, but we at least have seven intriguing fantasy players for you this year uh, who you should be keeping eyes on in your drafts and all of that jazz. Yeah, I don't want to peel back the onion too far, but Pete, I can do as many as you want uh, as long as you give me like two minutes in between each person. <laughs> just just ignore whatever I'm saying when I'm talking about a player and use that as your two minutes. Just mute me and use me use that as your two minutes to, to figure out who you're going to talk about next. Yeah, I'm in mid-season form, so I'm Perfect. ready to go. Awesome. Well, then we will bring you the nine most intriguing players because that is what three times three is uh, in fantasy this year. And we'll start off with you, Nicholas, since you uh, put in the effort to plan ahead of time. Nick, who is one of the most intriguing players for you this year at fantasy? Well, I talked about him uh, uh, previously, but I'm really falling hard for uh, David Montgomery. I think that he's uh, he's walking into an incredible situation where he he really doesn't have to compete to be the bell cow running back. And I know that, that, uh, that Chicago has been using a split backfield with Howard and, and Tariq Cohen, but they, I really think that they're only doing that out of necessity because Howard couldn't catch the ball and, and Cohen can't be a, a, uh, a full dimensional, uh, player. He's, he's just too small. And, and that, that isn't me trying to knock, uh, you know, a lot of folks like to say, oh, well, grit will get you anywhere. If you're like 160 pounds or whatever he is, it just doesn't work. Um, this guy can walk into an offense, a, a albeit bizarre, but uh, a, a functional offense. It's a little wonky with Mitchell Trubisky, but David Montgomery has a chance to be a 20-touch per game player. And uh, study after study shows, the running backs who just get a ton of volume are the single biggest difference makers on fantasy rosters. And so if you can get him, um, oh, shoot, uh, where is he? Let me just find him real quick. He is. I'm going RB 22, but beginning of the fourth round. So, yeah, and I'm seeing on fantasy pros uh, overall, he is the, uh, the uh, RB 25 
Like, I think that, that really he, – he's a good player. He's not as athletic as I'd like him, but he does hit the thresholds. I think that you can you can get a guy who, who will be a top 15 running back as the 25th running back, and that's just phenomenal value. Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. We've talked about him on these airwaves before, and I think he is someone who's going into a situation that could be very running back friendly. Uh, and like you said, Nick, they kind of are, are throwing out this notion of a, uh, a running back committee, but I think if he shows that he can handle the load – I don't think Tariq Cohen's really going to challenge him that much, and he's going to be able to kind of get a lot of touches and get a lot of points for you. Yeah, I think this is this is a good player to the type of player that you want to fall in love with. I think Tariq Cohen probably had the best year of his career last year, and he may do that for another five or six years. But he is he is just too small to do much more. Uh, but if you have an explosive offense with a potentially explosive player getting a huge part of the workload. I think that's the kind of guy you want to take a shot on, you know, after you kind of get your starters, because most of the time you have to draft 10, 15 people. So why not take a shot on a backfield that that's essentially up for grabs? Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, sticking with running back position for me, the one of the most intriguing players uh, in fantasy this year, one of the nine, because we've limited it down to just these nine. Um, it might be a kind of a cop-out answer, but I feel like Todd Gurley, we have to talk about Todd Gurley if we're talking about intriguing players to this fantasy season, because if not for the postseason slash Super Bowl slash kind of, you know, all the rumors that came around his knee, he would be the number one running back in fantasy football. He scored 21 total touchdowns last year. He rushed for 1,251 yards and caught, you know, 59 balls for 580 yards. Like, he was the best running back in fantasy last year uh, in, in just production and stat-wise, and he's still currently going RB, what, let's see, RB11, uh, beginning of the second round, which is still, you know, beginning of the second round is still a, a price to pay for him, but, like, he, if his, if his knee really isn't that bad or if, there, or if the, all these kind of, like, uh, flirtations with the timeshare and, and kind of all these things that Sean McVay and the Rams are putting out about how they're going to manage his time, blah, 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 blah. If that stuff doesn't prove to be true and Todd Gurley is the Todd Gurley that we've seen in the past and this knee is really just kind of a hiccup, I mean, you're now getting the best running back in football, in fantasy football, as the 11th back off the board or in the second round. It could be even your RB2. I think he is someone who has the potential to make and break a lot of drafts. Cause if you take him, if you try to pay for him and he doesn't pan out, he really is kind of a shell of himself. You know, you, you wasted a pick there to a certain extent. And if he pans out to be what we've seen him to be in the last two years, now suddenly you're, you've got yourself, your RB two is your RB one. For me, um, Todd Gurley is, is just one of those players that I, if I am forced to play in a, uh, a snake draft, league which i just cannot stand i'm auction all the way um but if it is my turn and he is like one of the next guys up in the queue i'm just gonna freak out i i just don't want to be in a position where i have to make a decision on him um because his his you you can lose your draft in the first two or three rounds you you, you or rather you can lose your league uh you know last year i had the terrible misfortune of advising my significant other to uh, start start things off with Le'Veon Bell, Alex Nailed Collins, it. and Rex Nailed Burkhead. It. Oh, and it, what an extraordinary! Is she still with you? She, she yeah, she is. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you. Needless to say, she finished last. Um, 
but you can lose your league in the first couple of rounds. Uh, it's, I think you, you want to try to hit the home run players, but also stability is really important. And Todd Gurley does not provide that. Uh, if we have some sort of indication that he's a 15 plus touch player that changes, but I don't think that we will. But I guess, I guess the thing that I'm thinking of it or thinking about is like, we've had, I know they're saying a lot of things about him not being a 15 touch player or whatever these, whatever the kind of cap limit would be, but we've never seen him not to be that. And so are we really, are we really expecting him to suddenly become this like moderated commodity as opposed to just being like, well, we all say these things, but really Todd Gurley is going to be Todd Gurley. We're going to let Todd Gurley be Todd Gurley. Yeah. This is all uh, irresponsible, reckless speculation, which is right up my alley. And I love it. Yes. Todd Gurley was one of the players that I wanted to talk about because I think he is the perfect definition of an intriguing player. You have people like Nick who are, who are, uh, we, we will find out either, you know, too scared or absolutely appropriately scared. Uh, Todd Gurley is a potential league winner who's going in the middle of the second round. And we have no idea and will have no idea. We will get no clarity on this. It will just be more speculation from beat reporters watching him walk around in practice because the Rams do not play people in games that don't matter. Todd Gurley was... You know, as far as we know, perfectly healthy last year during the preseason and didn't take a snap. I would expect the same this year, uh, whether they're concerned about his injury or not. Uh, So I think that Todd Gurley's price is now right. The middle of the second round is worth it. Uh, And I, you know, we can talk strategy in the offseason. I, you, you can lose your fantasy draft in lots of or your fantasy league in lots of different ways. I, I like taking chances. I wouldn't take Todd Gurley third, but 16th, 18th, where he's going now, yeah. man, you know, that that's I'd a rather, potential league winner too. Yeah. You know, like I'd rather have him than James Conner, who's going RB nine at the back end of the first round. Like if, so, if I can get David Johnson at the end of the first snake to Todd Gurley, whoo, I just won your league. But that's a good comp. James Conner has a lot more perceived safety, and right. you know, and and in you know, in four months we'll we'll know how smart or stupid we all sound with this. But but that's who you're choosing against when you pick Todd Gurley. There, it's a really interesting topic for the for the offseason. Um, I, I would I would much prefer James Conner, um, but uh, reg- oh, and and a side note, if I could get David Johnson in the the back end of any uh, first round, that's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, let's go ahead. Wrong. Let's You're ahead. wrong, Nick. You're wrong. David okay. Johnson is a terrible player. We all hate him on this podcast. Gotcha. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but the, the, the only thing that I want to say about uh, Todd Gurley, uh, this is the last thing I'll add. I do think that we have more of an indication than uh, is, is perceived. At the end of the year last year during the playoffs, he was fully cleared to play medically. The medical staff said, this is as good as his knee is going to be. This is the new normal. It's the coach's decision whether or not they want to put him out there, and they chose not to. And I think that that is telling. I think that we we can draw information from that by saying, Todd Gurley's knee is not getting better. The arthritis is going to affect him. And what the coaching staff showed us last year is that if he is in too much pain in a given week, they're going to pull him. So that is just, just for fair and balanced reporting. That is still you trying to read the tea leaves. The guy could have been hurt and just didn't play. And guys get hurt all the time and come back. Now I I don't know if that's going to happen. 
but you are you are taking that a running back suited up and didn't play, and then supposing, which which I which under which is understandable and makes perfect sense. That is informing your decision that you feel Gurley is too risky. I feel um, like you're trying to read the tea leaves, just like I am trying to read the tea leaves of running backs hurt their knees. Unless your name's David Johnson, I can't even remember what he hurt when he missed. Not uh, his knees, though. Yeah. So so it's we're both we're both guessing and and we're both taking uh you know guesses based on snippets you know reporting what happened you know 8 9 months ago um and and my my guess I do not think is any better than yours uh Nick you know I've said this before I feel like a lot of the times your analysis is better than mine uh so so you may be hitting the nail on the head but I do think right now we're uh, Todd Gurley is a Rorschach test of how you feel about reporting. If you feel it's all bubkiss, well, then you don't care. And if you feel that you can tease things out of that, which which I feel is certainly true sometimes, well, then you can push your push your thinking one way or the other. Nicholas, who's another intriguing player for you in fantasy? Um, let's see here. I'm gonna uh, for the second one. I'm gonna go with De- uh, Devin Singletary. Um, Lashawn McCoy is falling off a cliff pretty quickly with his one ability to stay healthy, but two, just his, his burst. And I mean, what he had going for him uh, in his prime was short area quickness. It's why his uh, Twitter handle is cut on dime 25 or whatever. Um, He can change direction and he can get, he can take a couple steps and be in a totally different location. When he, uh, now that he is older, he's losing that ability. And the fact that his hamstrings keep going, it, those uh, soft tissue injuries don't really go uh, away uh, season to season when they, when they become clear that they are an issue. Uh, I think that Mc, uh, LaShawn McCoy is, is on his way out. Um, and I, I know that there are, are folks who like to draw the, uh, the comparison between Singletary and McCoy as being similar players athletically. They're, they're really not, they look, uh, a similar frame, but other than that, Singletary, he, he, I do think that he is slow. Uh, I think that he's a little bit on the small side, but going back to what I was saying with David Montgomery, what I think we're looking at is a guy who might be in line for a full workload, uh, close to 20 touch per game uh, workload. And, and that kind of a thing can't be ignored. And I, I know that, that uh, I just said, I don't think that he's like that great of a player, but, when someone gets that much work, they're going to produce. And given the fact that he's currently being selected as the running back 53, <laughs> I would love to put that guy on my team. And uh, I know that uh, the TJ Yeldon is on the team. Um, I think Yeldon has shown us that he is a capable uh, uh, pass blocker and, and pass catcher, but he isn't very good at, He's, he's just not that great of a player. And I would prefer the, uh, the running back that this front office just uh, chose to draft uh, and ha- who has, who does have a complete skill set. He obviously will have to adjust to the talent level, but he, he, he is a guy who can pass catch, pass protect and, and carry the football. Yeah. I think the only question you have to ask there is anyone going to be worth owning in Buffalo. But like you said, you don't have to be a fantastic player if you're going to get volume. And I think, you know, this is, this is another situation where you're taking a shot on someone who may take over a, a young player who's just drafted, who may take over the backfield. And I think those are great shots to take. And like you said, he's going super late. So it's not like you're, there's not a great opportunity cost there. It'll be really interesting to see uh, what running backs 
go into the season on the Bills roster with all the guys they've signed. So re- really interesting situation. Clark, there's no one on the Bills that you would draft to your fantasy team? Not even a certain Jean Brown? Uh, no. <laughs> wow. Josh, the Josh Jean Allen Brown love is falling hard. Taking a big old hit. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have, have you thought of a guy yet, Clark, who you're intrigued oh, I, by? I've got three. Oh well, well, well. Why don't you throw one at us? So we'll 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 change tact a little bit. Uh, everybody knows that Travis Kelsey and George Kittle's uh, are gods amongst men at the tight end position. But I think somebody who's being forgotten and who I've drafted in the wait for it. Everybody wants to hear about your Scott Fish Bowl team, who I drafted in the Scott Fish Bowl is Hunter Henry. Uh, last year, everybody was ex- everyone I. <laughs> and lots of other people were extremely Good excited podcast. about. Yeah. Okay, this is the Hunter Henry podcast. Now I remember. Yeah. Um, every everybody's seen Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers get along beautifully for years, and Hunter Henry was set to just slide into that role until he tore his ACL in the in the, I believe before the preseason even started. And uh, in practice. Yeah, they brought back Antonio Gates, who I will, I'm contractually obliged to not disparage, uh, but. But Hunter Henry, there was some talk about him possibly coming back during the playoffs. Now, that could have just been all you know, BS and we don't know. But he, he's had a full year off for knee recovery uh, or for his ACL surgery recovery. And we've seen a lot of guys come back from that. Now, I wouldn't – I'm not willing to bet on that just because we've seen it happen in the past that it's going to happen again. But Hunter Henry, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is going at the end of the fifth round. Uh, so I think getting a, a potential top three tight end, which is the only thing worth drafting. I think it's so funny when people say like, oh, he was top eight tight end last year. Yeah, like 90 guys were like 10 <laughs> points apart from like tight end five to tight end 600 last year. So unless you're getting somebody truly great, then it doesn't matter. And I think Hunter Henry is one of the guys that has a chance to break into that category of, you know, maybe only like seven, 800 yards, but maybe 10, 11 touchdowns. Yeah, I think the the three guys or three to four guys who I see most likely following uh, Kelsey and Kittle in some order are Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, OJ Howard, and Evan Ingram. And I think you're right. Any of those guys there are an interesting, intriguing guys to, to watch because it's going to dictate how that tight end position plays out. Because I think all four guys have stories that you can get behind and like and reasons why you can draft them. And it's just going to be a matter of which of those stories actually pans out who actually clicks. Um, and Hunter Henry has had so much hype and so much excitement towards him uh, in the past that it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he actually lives up to that. Or if, uh, you know, if he's able to thrive or if, you know, Mike Williams, who people like, sometimes he's going to take your red zone targets. Is that going to be a problem? But uh, Hunter Henry was like the next tight end to to do it and everyone and then George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey took over so we'll see if he can cement himself as a top three guy um so I uh I, I really really like uh Hunter Henry I think for me personally he's going a little bit too high I um would I prefer to just wait on on tie on tight ends um unless I'm unless one of the uh like Kelsey or or Kittle or Ertz fall um, I'd rather wait and just take shots on, um, you know, like TJ Hawkinson or Chris Herndon committee kind of a thing. Uh, but I, I do agree with the assessment that Hunter Henry has a, a very real possibility of potentially leading tight ends in touchdown scoring. Uh, so if, if, uh, touch, if, uh, if 
tight end uh, selecting is your flavor around the fifth round. That's a great pick. I, I think that guys like Evan Ingram uh, and, and Jared Cook, who may go off the board before him, um, I, I think that he's a, a lot better than they are, and, and potentially even uh, OJ Howard. I really, I'm a, I'm totally off the Evan Ingram uh, uh, hype train. I don't trust anything from Eli Manning, but um, yeah, I think I think Henry is poised to have a very big year and should be fully recovered from his ACL. Yeah. I want to hit on one thing really quickly, Nick, I agree with you completely uh, in that. I think there are four tight ends worth drafting with uh, Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey, and Hunter Henry. And I think Hunter Henry is the last one that's worth spending anything on. If you, if you don't draft him, then don't worry about it. Just pick up, take some shots late. Like you mentioned, Chris Herndon, he's going to be suspended for a couple of games. I think people are way overvaluing that. We've got Jack Doyle going late. You know, there are a lot of guys who are good enough at tight end to where you don't need to spend that middle round capital on them. If you miss, you know, that that'll be my strategy for this year. Nice. Cool. Uh, all right. My guy who I'm also very intrigued by uh, is Amari Cooper, because I think Amari Cooper falls into that range of a wide receiver who is just at the tail end of kind of like those first 10 guys. He's currently wide receiver 13, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like it wouldn't shock me if he was a wide receiver five this year. Um, he's, I just the guy that, that, he's the guy that when you pick him and you squint just right, you like your roster. But if you look like, at it in a bad mood, you're like, oh, no, I don't like <laughs> You look at it, you're like, oh, is that Amari Cooper? Is that Julio Jones? Oh, it's 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 definitely Julio Cooper. Um, if you take his time in Dallas last year and project it across 16 games, he would have finished with 135 targets, 94 receptions, 1,289 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Now, who knows if that would, you know, if his what he produced while in Dallas would continue for a full season. But I think that you have no one really in that offense. It's going to be Amari in the Dak show with Ezekiel Elliott running the football. And so it's how much faith you have in Dak and being able to kind of produce a, a top five wide receiver. But of all the guys who kind of are in the, you know, Juju Smith-Suster, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, and Amari Cooper, that is currently uh, wide receiver six through wide receiver 13. Like, I would take Amari Cooper over Adam Thielen. I would take Amari Cooper over T.Y. Hilton, Mike Evans, maybe Antonio Brown, almost certainly like, and definitely Juju Smith-Schuster. I just think that Cooper has the chance of being that teen player who you pick, you know, going in the third round back into the third round who could rock it up and being a top five, maybe top eight wide receiver. So I think he is the biggest, the most potential in that like top 15 wide receivers to take the biggest leap. So uh, I'm a well-noted uh, Amari Cooper doubter, uh, and a lot of my friends just stop listening after I start talking about him. The the issue that I've always had, uh, well, one is his vertical. He can't really jump, but I think that's difficult in the end zone. Um, but uh, two, it's his usage. Uh, the guy is an elite slot receiver, and when he gets moved in there, he dominates in a way that a lot of other receivers don't. I, th I think he like leads the NFL in yards per target uh, when he's in there or yards per route run. Like he just smashes defenses when he's, when he's in the slot. Um, I think my uh, uh, 2019 outlook on Amari Cooper is going to be entirely based on whether or not the Dallas Cowboys go out and uh, give another advisory contract to Warren Sharp because last year when they did Sharp sort of hinted at it on one of his podcasts that they had hired an analyst and Evan Silva kind of laughed and was like, oh yeah, who's that? That offense 
completely changed. They were throwing to, to Zeke on first down. They were taking deep shots, and Amari Cooper's stats shot the hell up. It was around, I think, week nine when it happened, and then they abandoned they, – they let Sharp go during the playoffs, and they went back to ground-and-pound football, and Amari Cooper didn't have uh, quite the impact that he had had before. So if they give us some sort of indication that either they're going back to Sharp or they are revamping their analytics department and are going to be down to use him in ways that uh, that accentuate his strengths. I am fully on board with Amari Cooper as a, a league-dominating wide receiver one. If not, I'm going to be really scared that it's going to be the Zeke Elliott three yards and a pile of dust show. I think there are a ton of unknowns in Dallas with Kellen Moore coming in as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you may remember Kellen Moore from Boise state fame, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He's according to Wikipedia, 29. Is that, what? that can't, that can't be right. Kellen Moore's 29 and like out of the league. Good Lord. Okay. So Kellen Moore is going to be the offensive coordinator. I know with the Cowboys that it's always a bit of an odd structure of like how much authority does the coach have how much authority does whatever coordinator have but it's at least exciting i think to have a wide receiver who's at who's as athletic as amari cooper playing on the field with zeke who teams have to focus on and i think that's why we had a lot of success at the end of the year with the cowboys is because teams were used to just concentrating on zeke elliott and then Dak prescott learned you know if i tall if i throw to this gazelle wide receiver we have on the outside well then we can actually score some points instead of trying to win 13 to 10 all the time uh so big question mark and he's going you know i i think he's going appropriately after guys that you have a lot more confidence in and he's a huge swing for the fences pick there who who may be great or may just be maddeningly frustrating. Because even when he did well last year, it was very up and down. So That's fair. he's good. We'll see. You know, Dak takes another step forward, man. The, it, it could be fireworks in Dallas. Plus, you know, Kellen Moore is going to be highly successful as the offensive coordinator there because any young coach who comes in, I mean, it's the Sean McVay syndrome, right? Any any young player or any young coach you throw in there is instantly going to be change the game. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to do it, so we know suddenly Dallas is going to have the most unstoppable offense in NFL history. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Zeke is my number one overall, so I really want Amari Cooper to be good. So yeah, he will be. That don't worry, Clark. Don't don't worry. He'll be good. Uh, who's another intriguing player for you, Clark? Uh, this dovetails nicely. I think Dak Prescott is a very interesting uh, player. Oh. Uh, so if you're going to wait on quarterback, which I think, you know, there's there's two or three guys that are worth drafting early, and then you wait, kind of the same strategy I have with tight end. Dak Prescott's going off the board at 11, or middle of the 11th round. Uh, gives you a, a nice rushing threat. He played well with Amari Cooper last year, and we, we have a new coordinator coming into a system that should still have a very good offensive line and has some nice pieces. So I think Dak Prescott is a great, you know, let's take a shot at least uh, let, let's take a shot on a later round quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, you can always just stream anyway. So I, I think he's right in that sweet spot with a lot of potential. Yeah. I've, we talked, just talked about the Cowboys offense. So I don't think more, much more needs to be said, but I totally agree with you. He's in that spot where if I take him, I think he's going like in the 11th round. If I take him in the 11th or 12th round and he doesn't pan out, that's fine. I can stream quarterbacks and, you know, and do it from there. Um, so yeah, I like it. Yeah. He's going as the QB 17, according to uh, the conglomerate or the, uh, one of the, anyway, the fantasy pros uh, rankings. Uh, something I forgot to mention was uh, Warren Sharp's 
uh, strength of schedule rankings are out and he's got the Cowboys is facing one of the easiest pass defense schedules for, for 2019. So I, yeah, I, I like it. Perfect. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, Nicholas, who's, your, who's another intriguing guy for you? So for me, it is Miles Sanders' hamstring. Um, he, uh, reports came out that he's battling a hamstring injury. He missed OTAs. Uh, we see oftentimes hamstrings or like in camp are bad and they tend to linger throughout the year because guys don't have the like multi weeks to just sit and, and rest it. Now, if they do choose to do that, then that means that they're missing reps and, and he can study the playbook all that he wants, but it's, you know, live action is the best way, uh, to, to learn. Um, if he's able to get out there through preseason and have no issues, then I expect him to take over as their bell cow. And I know that they're saying that Jordan Howard is working on his uh, pass catching, which has been the Chicago bears lying on him uh, every year that he's been in the league. Uh, Miles Sanders is a, a, a do it all type running back. And I do think that that offense wants to, there have been uh, comments made from the front office saying that they, they would prefer to just have one guy out there who can do it all. So they don't continue to tip their hand for for what's coming uh, uh to the defense so anyway if if sanders can get healthy that's great i do think though that it's a it's it's tough because he's a rookie and, and he needs to he needs to get out there and and learn this playbook um you know wearing pads uh so if, if he's able to do that then uh miles sanders going running back 32 i think that that's a killer deal for a guy again who could be a a stud running back and and featured in the Philadelphia offense, and it's an offense that we've seen running backs have a lot of production in. You know, we've seen multiple running backs have production in it enough that you have them that you roster them. So, yeah, if he can take over that starting role entirely, then that's a very intriguing option. You like your uh, you like your rookie running backs, don't you, Nicholas? Yeah, I'm. I I mean, that, that's kind of just part of my my draft style is is to try to. Um, I, I'm so bad at snake drafts, and the reason is I <laughs> think the early rounds. I'm all, like I I just I'm more intrigued by trying to sniff out the the um, the late round guys and trying to sort of make my money there. Um, and so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I you can score a whole lot of points with running backs who other people aren't banking on, and so that's what I like to try to do. Yeah. You got to do a quick little crossover here. You got to do a Joe Gentile draft. Who's a, one of the guys, our staff guys at a fake teams who do the baseball stuff. He, for the fake teams and friends, baseball uh, fantasy league, he drafted just sleepers. 
Um, and evidently he's doing pretty well. So maybe that's what you need to do, Nick, for the RB1 Fantasy League, is you need to just just draft uh, rookies, just draft rookie sleepers, and then see how that team does. Uh, yeah. It's going to be yeah. great until they all get benched. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, by the third week of preseason. If it works out, you might have a shot at second place this year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Clark coming in hot. Clarkson, he's a he's a soon to be married man, so he's throwing out his shots. Yeah, you'll like this. Uh, I wanted to make sure that the wedding did not interfere with fantasy football, so I was like, well, you know, the, the summer is really nice in Washington. Let's try to get it in before the kids go back to school. You know, before like August fifteenth or so. You know, just before drafts and preseason starts, but right. you know, no particular time. Uh, Clark, do you have a, your final intriguing player for this season? I do, and I think it's somebody, again, who's being a little bit overlooked, and that's Latavius Murray, who I think that we've overlooked for his entire career. He's not the most interesting player, and I understand why people aren't that excited about him. He had uh, one 98-yard rushing touchdown on Thursday night football like four years ago, and I think that that's probably the only thing people saw him do. But he's fine. He's fine as a running back, and he's going to play second fiddle for the New Orleans Saints who score more running back touchdowns than anyone else in the league year in and year out. Latavius Murray's going in the seventh and he should be your absolute zero RB target, your absolute late round kind of backup, uh, backup starter flex target for this year. Cause I, I love Alvin Kamara, but there's so much to go around in that Saints offense that you should not forget to pick up Latavius Murray. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen Mark Ingram, we've seen the Saints offense produce two viable fantasy backs, and so why can't Latavius Murray do that? Um, I like it. Yeah, um, he's he's managed to, I think it was lead the league in carries within the five yard line, and that's bouncing from more uh, like you know, two or three different teams over the last, uh, I think it's th- five five years. Um, so that's he has a he is talented close to the goal line and uh i i would expect sean payton to be able to identify a player's strikes i think he's a lot like singletary like he's good enough in a good offense yeah Yeah. um my last guy who was intriguing i was going to talk about cam newton but i feel like i i touched on him earlier when we talked about uh players who have bounced back and players who will step back so instead nick mentioned this as someone who he was going to talk about and i was like oh i won't talk about him then but then nick didn't talk about him so now i'm talking about him (laughs) i am fascinated with will fuller because will fuller if he is healthy can be just a freaking stud with deshaun watson i mean we have seen it in the games that he's been healthy and able to play he's posted just ridiculous yards outputs and touchdowns and targets and the whole nine yards um, and I just would love to see, I would love to see if that can happen, if he can stay healthy for a full year and what that looks like, what his, him and Watson look like together when, when Will Fuller can stay on the field and he's going uh wide receiver 31 right now in the be- middle of the seventh round. And I, I don't know if I would pull the trigger on him there, but just because the injuries are, are terrifying to me. And I, I don't know if I can look past those, but I'm just so freaking curious uh, about what he's going to do this year and and how he's going to perform. Well, if, if it's not surprising, I like to build my team with uh, strong running backs. And then if you can give me a handful of uh, boomer bus wide receivers to, to plug and play via matchups, 
Uh, I'll take it. Uh, wide receiver 32 for a guy who can finish as the wide receiver one on any given week. Like that's literally his ceiling. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. You guys are just making my day. It's the resident <laughs> fan. I want all of this to happen. Uh, the, the Texans are doing a really good job building their offense, except for that pesky offensive line. So as long as that doesn't come back to haunt them, they've got tons well, I've of never heard. I've never heard that that's an important thing to have on a football team. I, I feel like you can get, get by without it. Totally. You know? uh, but, I mean, so we have the gravitational pull that is uh, Deshaun Watson. Nope. That's not right. That is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and then in in the three and a half games where Kiki Kude was uh, healthy last year, he showed that he could, could be an outstanding slot wide receiver. So Will Fuller being healthy and just the Texans getting any kind of even decent step forward from their offensive line could mean huge things for the Texans. And Will Fuller, just that amazing boomer bust, like he might get you like, 10 yards one game but he could get two touchdowns and 140 yards the next game too and the thing is is with him too is that his like kind of poor performances or or worse or lesser games like at least last year and i'm quickly bringing up stats and information is working uh extra time to try to get these uh numbers in front of me in time so that i can stop uh you know kind of lollygagging and, and just kind of rambling in order to oh they're in front of me right now thank you um yeah he had Two games where he last season where he had a 15 reset, 15 yards and a 33 yards. Everything else was above 50 yards. Uh, he had two or he had three 100 plus yard games, with, all with touchdowns. Like he is just such a fascinating player because God damn, he's fun to watch with Deshaun Watson. And so it's not only just like a, you know, Clark, you talk about this a lot where it's like it's fantasy football. Like enjoy the team that you've constructed and enjoy the players on your team. That's why Lashawn McCoy will never be on my roster. Um, Will Fuller is someone who I could just get behind. Just watching those bombs and just watching that happen once or twice a game is just uh, would be so exciting. And and if he's able to stay healthy, man, he could he could destroy fantasy this year. He could finally be the top ten, top five fantasy receiver that he's flirted with. Well. Since we've covered our nine most intriguing players, and that's it. There are no other players here in the whole NFL that are intriguing. Those are the nine most intriguing players in fantasy this year. Uh, we got to make sure we can send Nicholas along to his uh, his business meeting so that he can, you know, rise the ranks, buy a TV station, turn us into a show, all that jazz. Uh, so make sure to subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast channel on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and on Stitcher and on, I believe we're on uh, Spotify. Who knows? Wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you guys next week. Hopefully, Jordan, the working girl, will be able to join us. We have a, uh, a fun ADP game plan for that. Uh, but until then, peace.